0: Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Hello and welcome along to Football Digest Extra Time with myself, Ned Keating. I'm here today with The Daily Star's Harry Brent as we run the roll over what I say. Hey, really busy uh, weekend in, in what's, you know, it's still quite early on in the transfer window, if we're being honest, Harry, isn't it? That, but we're still seeing a lot of movement, perhaps, that you'd more associate with, you know, getting towards the last few days of the window rather than the first few days of the window. Um, plenty as always, for us to get stuck into this morning, but we're going to start off with uh, a move that as we're recording this on Monday morning, we're expecting confirmation to follow fairly shortly, probably finding the, the of play on Monday would be surprised as well. So if you listen to this past, do, do bear with us and, and apologise. Uh, yeah, we apologise on, on behalf as well, of the fact that the transfer market moves so quickly. But, Harry, we are going to talk about Kai Havertz, as we said there. We're expecting confirmation of his move to Arsenal uh, imminently. Um, but I suppose what we can talk about then is, is you know this player and what he's going to bring to Arsenal. Um, the style of the play, obviously, he's been with Chelsea since uh, 2020, wasn't it? Or 2019, if I'm right, 2020. Um, so he's been in the Premier League three seasons now Uh, obviously famously scored the goal in the Champions League final to win it for Chelsea against Manchester City in 2021 Um, but in terms of how he's had to fit into this Chelsea side and and what he was compared to Bayern Leverkusen and kind of having to adapt as well to the Premier League may not have gone as well as people may have expected but he's still performed well for Chelsea still been a dependable force for Chelsea which has obviously intrigued Arsenal and, and making them wanting to sign him what will he bring to us? I mean, quality. I mean, is a, is the first thing. Obviously,
1: as you as you touched on there, it's it, it's it's been a weird sort of three years for Habits. He's he's a complete enigma in in a, in lots of ways. You know, from a from a sort of Chelsea fan perspective, as you touched on there, can be relied on for big performances in big games, but a lot of the time, you know, doesn't produce when it you know when it comes to to less important games. Um, but I think. If, if if we can sort of assume that Arteta has identified the right sort of position for him, which I don't think Chelsea have ever done, really, in the three years we've you know Chelsea have had we played I mean, last season playing him at false nine didn't really work. I know he had a bit of luck playing as a sort of second striker by Leverkusen, but false nine hasn't really suited him a whole lot. I know Frank Lampard played him a little bit at number eight, and also you know our, our, ours is one of the wingers, um, you know. So there, there's been a lot of a lot of sort of change. I think if Arsenal can identify precisely which position they 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 need him for and which position plays to his strengths, he could be a serious player and a sort of serious force for them. Um, because I think you know he's one of these players. I I sometimes liken him to to Thomas Muller. You when you watch him, you you're not quite sure of why he's particularly great. You know, no not a huge amount of pace, not a huge amount of strength. Doesn't play beautiful Kevin De Bruyne passes or whatever, but but just very intelligent, very sort of um you know good at most things um and i think as i say if 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 you can get him in the right sort of system he can be a a, a genuine force but um the, the other thing to say he's he's um, to sort of go against that right really because as i say the versatility aspect is kind of what could what has set him back a little bit at chelsea but i think that's going to be really important for arsenal as well because a big a big issue they've had particularly last season was a lack of depth uh, you know, one player goes out. They, you know, they haven't got a huge amount of quality coming in, and the fact that he can play obviously in midfield and across that front three will be a big, uh, a big asset for uh, for Arteta going forward.
0: We mentioned there and touched on it the fact that Chelsea uh, haven't really found a home for him within the starting eleven and, and kind of how he's played and, and kind of floating around this different positions. And as you said there last season in particular, you know, being a full time, being a winger, being a second striker, being a number eight probably hasn't helped him. Much, um, and of course, you know, there's been a, a fair amount of periods of change through Chelsea as well. What is it? He's probably had about three different managers, three, four different managers, isn't it? I know we can technically count Lampard twice. I think on on this list, at least, anyway, the second coming. Um, but with Arsenal, it seems that there is perhaps a, a level of a level more stability, a bit a bit more stability within the style of play, how they want to approach things. So will Arsenal and how they play perhaps suit him more than Chelsea where he was kind of, at times it felt like a, a square peg in a round hole trying to fit him into these different positions, see where he can play? Because he is a talented player. Chelsea wanted to get him in their squads uh, week in, week out. But Arsenal may have, as you said, that a more nailed down position for him which may hopefully allow him to flourish. You hope so. And, and as you say, if if if
1: it's if Arteta has been pushing for the transfer and they're willing to spend, you know, what's reported about £65 million, pounds, then he will know precisely where he wants to play him or at least the kind of role he wants to give him in the squad. And uh, as you said, the sort of chopping and changing at Chelsea kind of helps. He's had four four, four different managers who probably see him and, you know, I want you here, I want you there. So um, I think this is perhaps why the move is appealing to him so much because Arteta, having spoken, presumably I assume he's spoken to Arteta, he would have been told precisely where, this is exactly where I want you to go. This is exactly the sort of person I see you. And having not had that for three years at Chelsea, that that will be really appealing. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it is going to be really interesting to see. Presuming this transfer gets confirmed in the in the coming days, how how this turns out, and and yeah, you'd imagine with the talent he has, it you know there's a good chance it, it can work well for for him and for Arsenal.
0: Yeah, hopefully we don't put the hex on it um, and that there isn't a uh, angry Arsenal fan coming after us saying that we've cursed this transfer forward when and it, when it doesn't get done, because you never ever know in a transfer window that everything always seems like it might be going swimmingly and, and then it always hits some sort of thing so you never ever know in a transfer window. Um, but Harry, just a wider point on Arsenal, and uh, if you look across the back pages of the uh, Mirror, the Star Express this morning, they're all carrying similar lines uh, about their plans. For the window so we're talking as if this habit still is is on the verge of being done and we are expecting it to be confirmed as i said on monday uh, uh, and we're recording this on monday morning just before we went live and started recording um it seemed that arthur had submitted uh, a second bit for Uri timber um the the IX defender can play right back and sense back so obviously adding a bit more depth in uh, in defense as well across the back pages this morning um there are quotes and suggestions from Mikel Arteta that this is just the start these two players are just the start that they need more of a player of the course you know we are talking about Beckham Rice and, and perhaps a tug of war and, and we'll come on to him a bit more in a second but for Arsenal where else do they need to strengthen once they get Haberts and once they get Timber in uh, should they get Timber in uh, perhaps this it's not as certain as, as Haberts at this stage but uh, you know should they get those two players across the line where next do Arsenal need to look is it Beckham Rice is it that midfield that needs to be strengthened again I think it is, and, and particularly given the fact that
1: a player as good as Rice—I mean, I know it's going to cost a lot of money—should they get it, but a player as good as Rice is available. I think that is absolutely where they should go. We're, we're probably expecting Jackie to go, probably Partey to, to follow. So that leaves a big hole in their in their central midfield, and I think Rice would absolutely be, be the right man to uh, to sort of, to sort of go for after that. Um, but as, as you said, uh, as, as we've touched on before, like. I think a big problem for Arsenal last season was a lack of, of depth, which is understandable because I don't think they were particularly expecting to be a title-challenging title, title challenging team last last season, as good as, as they were in the latter half of the season previous to that. Um, but I think, uh, you know, the strength and depth has, has been a big problem. I think we saw that with the January signings of, of, of Trossard and, and Jorginho just padding out the squad to sort of take pressure off other players. Um, but should they get Rice? Rice, get Rice you know, uh, is it, sort of he can play in all sorts of positions in that mid in that midfield three all sorts of roles. As we said, du- we, you know Julian Timber is likely to 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 come as well, and he can fill in at right back, which gives them a little a little bit of depth there. Um, so for me, I think then after Rice, I think the next place uh, after Timber and after Rice, I think the next place they need whether they'll be able to afford it this summer is another question. But the, I think uh, they need to bring in another quality winger, take some of the pressure off Saka and Martinelli, particularly Saka, who I think. Burnt out a little bit at the, towards the tail end of last season when uh, you know Arsenal's form started tailing off, coincided with Saka's form uh, tailing off. Um, and you know, I, all good teams who, who win titles have you know four, even five players who can who can sort of fill in in those two wing positions who are who are not just you know players to come in as a, as a sub, but genuine players who can who can sort of challenge for spaces. So that's why I, I would advise them going next.
0: As we said there, Declan Rice, uh, a player that Arsenal are interested in, of course, it's not just Arsenal that are looking at Declan Rice. And and again, it kind of highlights how quickly things move within the transfer window. Um, you know, kind of this time last week, we are probably talking about how Arsenal almost had a free run at Declan Rice that, that Bayern Munich were interested in, the end, but then kind of decided to pursue other avenues. And that kind of really only left Arsenal as the main players in it. Fast forward a couple of days and Manchester City are going, oh, we quite fancy him. Uh, as well, which has definitely put a bit more pressure um, on Arsenal and, and and added another layer to this, you know, what seemed like perhaps a, a, not necessarily a free run. Arsenal still would have had to, uh, you know, negotiate with West Ham and that is proven quite difficult, of course, at this point. But it, it does add, you know, kind of a, another extra layer to this as well. At Manchester City and they're looking at, you know, someone that one of their title rivals from last season were very keen on they're thinking... No, actually, he could do a job for us as well. Kind of almost not necessarily coming from nowhere. I think everyone would love to have a player like Declan Rice in their squad, but it is interesting to see that that Man City have entered the race for him as well. Yeah, it's almost it's almost as if they've if, imagine if
1: it was a sort of running race and they've said to us, "Like, we're you know we're Man City, you can have a little bit of a head start, and then we're going to come in and 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 transit. Um, But no, as you say, I mean Rice has got so much quality as you'd expect. All teams were were monitoring it. There is a chance that. Uh, I know that they were uh, interested in, in keeping Ilkay Gundogan at the club and again reports coming out at the moment suggest that he's he's gone to Barcelona or in fact that, that, tr- that transfer might have even been confirmed this morning. Um, uh, there's a chance I think that they could have been waiting for for that sort of to 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 be sealed before working out whether they wanted to add another midfielder, um. But uh, but yeah, it's I mean it's it's going to be a really a really interesting race. Arsenal have have made a lot of sort of um you know headway with the, with the transfers and you know the ports coming out of there. It seems as if they're still confident of a deal. But Man City is Man City, and uh, you know they want a player, they usually get him. So uh, we'll see what we'll, we'll see what happens over the coming days.
0: Just on Arsenal and their transfer dealings, uh, and, and again, this probably goes back towards you know January as well, that they have a, a set fee in their mind. And if the clubs that they're dealing with want well, to charge forward and that Arsenal won't budge, they'll go and look at other uh, other targets as well. But looking at some of the narrative on social media over the weekend and, and over the past week as well, with this Rice deal and having a third bid, I think already rejected, they've, they've, they've had several bids submitted and none have been accepted anyway. That's, that's how we'll cover it and be safe. Definitely play it like that. Um, but in terms of that from Arsenal, a lot of their fans seem to be frustrated and seem to have this understanding as well that now they're back in the Champions League, now they're back t- challenging for titles, that it, not necessarily a tax gets added to it, but if you're shopping for Champions League players and championship winning players, then you've got to pay those high-end prices. And, and there has to be an acceptance perhaps from Arsenal that where they may have offered less and, and got, less, uh, got players from less previously, that... That won't be the case. And, and Rice is, is probably proven as a case in point. They maybe thought, oh, we could play a bit horrible with West Ham here, given what David Sullivan had said, you know, <laughs> not even hours after uh, West Ham had won the conference league, that, that Rice would be moving on, that they probably thought they could chance their arm with a few low balls. And, and now it's kind of showing that, no, no, because you're back in the elite level, you will have to start paying elite prices for these elite players again. Yeah, I think um, I
1: mean, as I said, that there may there may have been a little a little bit of complacency, either either given the way that they've previously done transfers or the fact that they thought they had a free, a free run. But um, I I sympathise with with Arsenal supporters. I know I know supporters can be a little bit sort of you know demanding and, and just sort of wanting things that are a bit unrealistic. But at the same time. If there isn't a the time to ga- if this isn't the time to gamble and spend big and invest in your squad, then when is? I mean Arsenal Ar- Arsenal have had an, an incredible season. I know it ended in disappointment, but it still it has been an incredible was an incredible season. Uh you've also got a couple of the big, you know, three or four of the bigger teams in the in the league uh, you know, struggling at the moment or at least have a long way to sort of sort of get back to the top. This is the chance to consolidate your place at the very top. Um and, you know, it's the first time for a long time that players like Declan Rice are interested and happy to go there, you know. Who who knows it, in a, in a couple of years if if Man United are back are back challenging for titles and Chelsea are back there and you know Liverpool, Newcastle, Tottenham, all all coming up. Will Arsenal be able to have the same pull? Who knows. So I I, I do think there is a sort of sense of even if you are going to overpay this summer, this is the summer to do it. It doesn't matter. A player like Declan Rice is on the market. You you if you can get him, providing it's not ridiculous like 150 or something, which we know it's not going to get that high. I think, I think it, it's it's just worth it from a from an Arsenal perspective.
0: Very polite of you there to include uh, Tottenham back in that bracket as well. We'll get you back on more as well to talk, to talk more positively about Tottenham. Um, but just finally on Rice, and I suppose we could frame this as the £100 million question. If you were Declan Rice and you have Manchester City and Arsenal coming in for you, where do you go? You could head to Manchester City because of the, the embarrassment of riches that they've got in midfield. Yes, Gundogan has left, uh, as we said this morning during Barcelona, that's been confirmed. Rodri Silva may be uh, exiting stage right as well, uh, depending but I think, you know, that's been linked for a few summers and it still hasn't happened, so you never know with this one. He may want to lose, but, but Pep Guardiola maybe to convince convincing once again, as he has done in the last few seasons. Um, but they've still got a, a very talented midfield, so you have probably more chances of, of winning trophies there, but you have maybe less playing time, or you go to Arsenal where you get more playing time, but it might be a little bit more difficult to... Pad out your trophy cabinet. Where, where would you go if you were Declan Rice in this situation? I would probably go to Man City. I mean, I, I think that there's a chance,
1: I mean, from, again, from, from what's being reported that it sounds like Declan Rice quite fancies the move the move to Arsenal. And I think given his sort of experience being at West Ham, he's been the man there, the captain, and, you know, really sort of, I mean, obviously he settled in London, that's another thing. So I think there is a chance that that sort of talismanic figure, could, being that talismanic figure at Arsenal could appeal rather than just being one of several huge talismanic figures at Man City but I just I just think that I, I understand what you're saying about Man City have a lot of quality and and, and he might not play as much as he would it would play at Arsenal but to be honest I think if Man City is spending 100 million pounds on a centre midfielder he's going to play uh it's not they're not as sort of interchangeable. central midfielders are not as interchangeable as wingers uh or even centre-backs so I, I you know I, I would I'd be very surprised if they bought him and he was in and out of the team uh, I think he, I think he'd suit the the John Stones role, as is the scientific term, uh, very well. Um, so you know, I, 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 as I say, if 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 I was him, I think I think I would probably, uh, I would probably do that one. And I, I think the the other thing to say is, as much as Arsenal is an appealing move now, is there a guarantee that they will be still challenging for trophies as they as they have done this season in the next four, five, six years? I mean, the signs look good, but. With Man City's vast amount of wealth, I think you've pretty much guaranteed that no matter what happens with the manager or the players, they're probably going to be challenging for Premier League titles and Champions League titles for the next, you know, until you know until the, until his the contract expires. Whereas if he moves to Arsenal, it's a little bit less less sure. So I would be cynical, and I would I would take the uh, I take the the Man City move.
0: Yeah, it was quite funny when I was in uh, Prague with the West Ham fans for the Europa Conference League final. Uh, there was one or two of them that even before this City interest had, had kind of reached those levels, um, that they were suggesting that Rice, right, you know, would be better off going to Manchester City, winning everything, uh, spending a few years there, winning everything, uh, and then coming back to West Ham and playing out uh, his career there. So you never know, they might might be still something that still happens that way. Staying with Manchester City though um, and another deal that looks imminent looks set to be done within the coming days uh, Josko Vardiol from RB Leipzig uh, a defender who can play centre-back primarily but also filling at left-back for so the kind of player that Pep that, uh, that Guardiola seems to love but I mean a centre-back that can play in multiple different positions um, the fact that they're spending what could be a world record fee on a defender um, you know obviously there's, in, in these deals there's always add-ons involved but we think uh, it could well be a, a world record fee for a defender eclipsing what uh, Man United spent on Harry Maguire a few years back. This shows that that Man City are not going to sit back on their levels and go, oh yeah, we've done nicely, we've achieved everything that we want and we've won the treble. No, no, we're here to dominate now for years to come. And, and they're going to start rebuilding this side with these young players who can again be there for, for 10 years, almost start building a bit of a dynasty. At that club, and I suppose to that extent that that's quite worrying for everyone else. I mean, it's how
1: the top teams stay at the top, isn't it? When you sort of recognise that teams have cycles, you need to keep replacing people. So Alex Ferguson was very good at that. At, Man- at Manchester United, he recognised that you can't just rely on the same, you know, group of eleven players for for five, six, seven years. You need to keep replacing them. So um, yeah, it just it just demonstrates that that you know the sort of uh, quality of the plan that they have at, at Man City there, and. Um, I agree with you are saying Guardiola looks like the absolute perfect Man City defender. Can can play that sort of centre back, left back hybrid role that we've that we've seen Nathan Ake play and and you know a few others who can sort of play play across the back four. So, um, but it will be you know it will absolutely be a scary a, a scary thought if if they were to land, for example, Declan Rice and Josco Guardiola. I think they should probably start letting second place get a trophy because this is just going to get too difficult for everybody else.
0: Uh, another player as well that is uh, expected to be joining Man City this summer um, is uh, Vardy's international team. That obviously a player you know very well as a Chelsea fan, uh, Matteo Kovacic. Um, again, adding depth to that midfield. Perhaps not one that's going to be there for ten years, but but you know they'll still get a few a few years out of uh, out of Kovacic for sure. And they look to be doing their business or trying to be doing their business quite early on uh, in the winter again. Man City. So Vardy comes in, Kovacic comes in potentially rise, but what else do Manchester City need in this transfer window? Is there any other positions in particular that are kind of not necessarily lacking? I don't think we could ever say that about Manchester City, but, but maybe is there areas, or does it depend on the as well? You know, I mean, of course, you know, we're, we're talking about Riyad Mahrez perhaps being one of those that, that goes off to Saudi Arabia. As we talk about Kyle Walker, uh, you know, was linked last week with Bayern Munich. Obviously, I think that's, that's kind of not going to happen there by the sounds of it, but Sheffield United will also link with a return for, for Kyle Walker as well, obviously, where he started his career. So, yes, this question may hinge on whether or not there are outgoings from the squad, but as we record this on June 26th at 10.20, aside from the players that we've listed already in rights in Kovacic, in Dardio, is there anyone else that Manchester City need to be looking uh, at adding to their squad uh, this summer? Mead. No. Um. But, you know, I, I think that there
1: are obviously always all, all ways you can in, in improve the squad. I and mean, they've got such good quality all over the pitch and in depth. But I think you sort of touched upon it there. You've got the likes of Kyle Walker, Riyadh Mares entering, um, you know, 32, 33 years old. There's a, there's a, I think there's a, a good sense and sort of, not necessarily moving them out, but finding, sourcing whoever you think is going to be their replacement, and you know whether it's signing a sort of young a young player who can come in and be understudy for a little bit and then take their take their place, uh, you know, when they do decide to leave in a year or two, or or, or bringing someone in to to just place them straight up. But I think that's probably the only place they need they need to look because aside from you know possibly a center a, a center midfielder, which as you say that you know we're expecting them to to at least go after Declan Rice. Uh, you There's just no, there's no, there's no gaps in that vaccine. There's no holes that need to be plugged. So, um but I, yeah, I, I, I expect them to start the sort of process of filtering out the older players, and it might take a year, a, a, you know, two or three windows. But uh, I think that's probably the the only thing they need to be concentrating on at the moment.
0: Is is there a chance then that we might have a bit of hope, and that because they're regenerating the squad, they might not be as good as they were. No, I don't think that's going to be the case either. Because they've, all, yeah, they have got a couple of players, but they just
1: everywhere you you look, they've got young players sort of coming through early, early to mid twenties. Um, you know, they, they're they're really really well managed. You know, uh, not just in in terms of how they play, but just you know the, the incomings and outgoings. They, they they know how to run a club. Those guys. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't think there's I don't think there's much thing that you'd be focusing on
0: indeed still still scary times nonetheless. Uh but we're not saying pack up the Premier League and go home just yet. Um in terms of the other side of Manchester though, uh, and the red side of Manchester, um again they're looking at, at adding to their midfield options. Mason Mail uh from Chelsea is is the big name that's been linked for Manchester United. Uh again another one that's had several bids uh submitted for him. Man United have submitted several bids for Mason Mayo but as yet none have been rejected. I think there's about a 10 million Discrepancy between Man United offering fifty-five million and, and Chelsea wanting sixty-five million pounds. I mean, of course, it's it's far too simplistic to always go well. Why don't they just meet in the middle and just offer sixty, and everyone would be happy? But is there likely to be someone who's going to blink first in this? Do we call it a saga? Is it too early to call it a saga just yet? Mini saga. <laughs> um, I, if if if
1: out of the two, I'd say Chelsea probably more likely to blink. I, I don't think man united need mount as much as i think he would be a fantastic player for them uh they've got a lot of options in uh in, in you know sort of creative attacking with options in their in their team in Ericsson and and, uh, and Fernandez. so i wouldn't i don't think their need is great enough to say well let's just let's just uh, overpay in their eyes overpay for him um but then again chelsea i mean chelsea do they, they obviously need, need need to raise funds in order to sort of um, meet financial fair play regulations but I think the this impending sale of Kai Havertz, as we expect it to to happen, and and the and the sales they've they've uh, made or are in the process of making to Saudi Arabian clubs, I think the pressure is slightly taken off them. So it will be interesting. I, I know that you know from from uh, you know everything that you, that you see, Chelsea would ideally like to keep Mason Mount, uh, providing that he wants to stay. So there might be a little bit of a sense of well. You know, even even if we're not going to get um, you know the money the money for him this summer, and there's a good chance he'll leave on a free next next year, that that gives us a year to convince him to sign another contract. So, might be that sort of uh, uh, rumbling feeling at the club a
0: little bit. Has the fact that they've managed to get a fair few players out the door already for you know, as you say, that I wouldn't say nice fees, but but sizeable fees that will again you know assist us, as we spoke there about the finances that Chelsea have to battle with this summer. Has that perhaps then taken a bit of the pressure off? Uh, you know, trying to sell Mason Land. You know, we flash back to a month ago and, and stories suggesting that Chelsea were looking at, at selling their homegrown players, not because they wanted to, but because they felt that these guys were the ones that they could get bigger uh, fees for. But now that, you know, obviously the Saudi Arabian teams have come in and, and they're paying, they're happy to pay, you know, I'm not saying that there has been talk about inflated fees, whether or not that is the case, we, we don't know, but perhaps larger than, than usual fees for some of these players at the stage in their careers. Other players as well. She said there, Kai Havertz going for close to seventy million. Povetich as well. and in terms of the wages, uh, that that will take away from the wage bill as well. As it's kind of all coming back towards Chelsea's favour. And as she say there, you know, you look at this, you know, kind of rather simplistically, and you know, Mound's got a year left on his contract. Again, you know, kind of you think Chelsea still has to balance for books a bit. And Mald is kind of you know, if, if he wanted to stay, he maybe would have signed the contract by now. But clearly, there's, there's, there's kind of you know between what he wants and what Chelsea are offering, there's a there's a difference. But where it was perhaps a, a weaker maybe negotiating position and they may have accepted £55 million a couple of weeks back, Chelsea by getting rid of these players so quickly doing some business early doors in this window by moving these players on has, has kind of given them a little bit of breathing space. Perhaps. I
1: think so. I, I think I think you're right. I think we, we probably would have seen Chelsea accept that third third off. I think it was £55 million plus five in add-ons um, and they've uh, again... I th- report reports we believe gone back with a 58 plus seven so they're not too far away in valuation the offers the offer again at the time of recording is still on the table so you know there's there, there is a willingness from chelsea to do a deal it seems um but you know i think they they have you know been put in in a sort of better negotiating position because of these sales and particularly given you know getting getting everything done so quickly it's it's just you know even it's just help helps them out massively so uh, you know we'll see it, it'll be really interesting to see what happens because uh, you know it, it, at the moment again at the time of recording there's no sort of clear indication of where it's going to go so um, yeah we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens
0: Harry just before we go this morning as well uh, a story that was uh, across again the, the the star of the mirror in the Express over the weekend uh, regarding Manchester United um, and the moves that they're trying to make so where is trying to move some players on it looks like Manchester United are looking to do similar as well uh, 13 named uh, among those including uh, Jaden Sancho, Harry Maguire uh, and Fred. So is this now kind of stage two for Manchester United? I, I kind of remember uh, I, read a, I, I read a book about kind of 15 years ago um, uh, and it was about club ownership and it was written by the great sports journalist Ian Ridley and it was about when he took charge of, um, of Weymouth um, as their owner He was speaking to Steve Claridge as he installed as manager and Steve Claridge spoke about this kind of you know, a three-year cycle that exists within uh, certain football clubs at certain levels that, you know, the manager gets his first year, comes in, and yes, he might add one or two players, but he kind of assesses really where the squad is, what they need. Second season is going in and and kind of making those big changes to getting rid of some players, bringing in more players to kind of then build. And by the third season, you're really ready to challenge. And I suppose looking at this from the outset, it looks like Man United are in that second season phase where Eric Ten Hag has worked out exactly who he wants in the squad, who doesn't want in the squad. And... And these 13 players um, are going to try to be moved on. And of course, then that gives them funds to go out, perhaps by Mason Mount, Victor Ossiman and, and, and anyone else that they've been linked with this summer as well. So it looks like uh, last year was a, a busy period for Man United, but but this summer looks like it's going to be perhaps a, a little bit more busy as well. And especially on that exit door. I think so. And, and, and there's
1: probably, I mean, I, I'm not sure what United expected, where they expected to be at the start of, of last season. Uh, at, at the moment, but there's a, probably a good chance they didn't necessarily expect to be in the top four, so they, that might have sort of been been pushing them to right. We can we can actually go after some some pretty good some pretty good players. Let's move let's move these players on now. it's Going to be hard to shift thir- 13 players. I, I'm sure Ten Hag has identified exactly who he thinks is you know he needs in his team and who the players that are not you know not not up for the fight or not he doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't suit his, his style of play. I'm sure he's identified them. Um, but it, you know I th- I think. They'll probably have to do that incrementally, you know, over over the next two or three windows at, at least. Um, particularly if you know, they're, they're, chances are they're going to they're going to go after a, a a number nine, which I think if you're going to get a, a good quality one, it's going to be close to 80, 90, possibly even hundred million. So um, whether they'll have the funds on top of that to to replace twelve other or thirteen other players who are going out uh, remains to be seen. But I, but I agree with you. I think this is definitely a time for Ten Hag to really sort of mould the squad in his image and, and, and establish his, his identity firmly and uh, and and yeah things can could, things could start to be looking up for Man United really soon
0: Harry thanks so much for joining us today really appreciate your time as always uh, of course you can keep up to date with all the latest from the transfer window and anything else football related of course because it isn't just always all about the transfer window there is a Women's World Cup on the horizon as well but of course you can keep up to date with all the latest from the world of football uh, across the Daily Star Daily Express and Daily Mirror websites but for now it's good